0: recall uh today we're doing something a little bit different which is that uh we your tortall recall cast panel hosts pals us yeah pals team uh have split off into small groups to tell you about things that we like that are not tortall related not in the Tortal verse at all even <laughs> um so i'm here and <laughs> i'm with gus yeah hi and i'm grace hi um I'm Grace. My pronouns are she, her. Yeah, I'm Gus. My pronouns are they, them. I haven't used audacity in like six months. That was very validating of my identity and pronouns, Gus. You're really enthusiastic about me introducing myself. Yeah, you're valid, Grace. Thank you. I am valid. Um, All right. So um, we wanted to talk a little bit about Gus and I. Uh, We're the first ones to record, so Mm -hmm. we get to pick what's up. What we have picked to be up is that we want to talk a little bit about genre fiction in general, um, yeah. so, yeah, and kind yeah. of, I don't
1: know, I guess we should probably say, like, kind of what the idea behind this whole thing is, oh my god, you should hear figs squeaking in the background, it's adorable, I
0: bet they can, <laughs> I bet,
1: they, it's cute, um, he's a beautiful cat, but, you know, like, the idea of, like, what sorts of things we, um, grew up to like, uh, and kind of maybe finding some through threads with what, um, you know, how we feel like that, uh, it has, uh, factored into our overall, uh, Reading careers.
0: For sure. Because we talk a lot about Tamara Pierce and her oeuvre uh being really formative. So if it forms you, then what do you end up liking? And, and what might you, as a somebody who likes Tamara Pierce and who listens to Torah Recall, what else might you like to check out? Uh so to start with, uh Gus, you and I both read a lot of sci-fi. Yeah. Um, I've not always been a huge sci-fi fan, um, mm-hmm. but I made it a real project to learn more about sci-fi because I love robots, and they mostly live in sci-fi. Most of them. Most of them. Yeah. um, uh, Some people on Twitter did teach us about automata, who live in fantasy, uh, but I prefer a classic robot. Um, So, uh, one sci-fi book that you and I both really like is Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula K. Le Guin. Mm -hmm. It's a real hit in our (laughs) friend group um what's left hand of darkness about this
1: oh man it's about (laughs) so my my girlfriend pitched me this book by telling me that it's the most beautiful love story she's ever read where the protagonists never kiss (laughs) so first of all it is not in fact textually a love story (laughs) up front always a great start Mm -hmm. but it's extremely romantic (laughs) <laughs> it is. There's it's um set in Ursula K. Le Guin's um, whole she has this like kind of universe of stories that are set in the same universe but not really um interconnected that much. Um and can be read entirely separately. Um of like um space exploration um so it's set on a planet. It's all set on this one planet um where there's been an ambassador sent to bring the planet into this, like, alliance of planets. And, um, it's an ice planet. There's ice journeys. And there's, uh, aliens who, uh... Wait, dang. Uh, hmm.
0: How would you describe the aliens? Well, it has an interesting treatment of, like, societal thinking and of gender. Um... It, it it does it it has aliens who have
1: who who go through like reproductive like shape shifting essentially,
0: mm-hmm. yeah,
1: and yeah and sort of like how yeah. that influences their society and how, um and how the character who is not from that society,
0: um, reacts to that and interacts with them, yeah. It um... is from the sixties. It is from the 60s. You can tell that when you read it. Um, but it's still really worth reading, especially in terms of you know being uh like an early part of the genre of science fiction. And um really a lot from what I've heard, I'm still really getting into it. But Le Guin is uh an author who's really worth reading a lot of her work. Um but yeah, yeah Left Hand of Darkness maybe share something with Tamara Pierce. Uh it's a lot about uh, it's very character focused mm-hmm. and it does a lot with the idea of like how we tell stories to each other and the story of our society uh, and the s- stories that we tell about other people who are not in our group. Um, and I think it does that in such interesting ways. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I will say just in case you are going to pick it up first, third little bit hard going, yeah. uh, but it will really get easier to read and it pays off for sure. Uh, like I literally, I was like, I don't see how I would ever care about these characters, but mm-hmm. I know my friends care about them so much. What's up? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you will figure it out. You will care a lot. Uh, it's a really good book. Yeah. And, if you
1: have, yeah. and it's also um, really influential on the genre. And by the genre, I mean uh, books about uh, science fiction books about aliens and gender. <laughs> Which is a category that I love. The genre.
0: The, the genre.
1: <laughs> the only genre that matters.
0: Um, yeah. And if you're, you've just read Left Hand of Darkness and you're like, what else is up in this specific genre, subgenre, whatever, then uh, we would thoroughly recommend that you pick up Ancillary Justice by Anne Leckie. A little bit of a more recent entry. Um, and I do think. Um, It's so clearly influenced by Left Hand of Darkness. Like, no doubt about that, uh, that it really makes sense to read them together. There's an ice trek.
1: (laughs) And the characters are definitely in love. Also, again, disclaimer, the characters are not canonically in love. Sort of. Anyways. Yeah,
0: but if you want to talk about how they are uh, in love, you can find Gus on Twitter. And (laughs) don't find me. I don't exist. But you can talk to me if you do. Um, But... uh, if we're trying to be pretty speedy, uh, it is also an, an intergalactic book with a lot of space politics and, uh, again, interesting ideas of gender. Um, it is the main society portrayed in the book or the main character is in a society that's, uh, you know, they don't really separate by gender um, or they don't they really don't. have an idea of gender at all. Yeah. Um and then that's difficult for other characters to understand, just like in Left Hand of Darkness, or to interpret or to fit themselves into, to tell stories about. Um, and it's just really interesting to read and interesting to see how you as the reader react to that, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's worth it for that, if nothing else. And it's yeah. worth it for other reasons than that. It's so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Also really character-focused Uh some of the politics really remind me of Tamara Pierce because I think that lucky also makes them really readable and makes you care about them by making you care about characters. But then you realize you care about these big movements in the universe as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I wanted to tack on uh, the recent Charlie Jane Anders book city in the middle of the night. Um, I think uh, Anders is like a really worthy Le Guin successor uh, as like, just a, a reader, not anyone super informed, but that's my personal opinion. <laughs> um, uh, and her books are so good, both of her her books and her short stories as well, but The City in the Middle of the Night, let me tell you one thing, Ice Trek. Really yes. good Ice Trek. Yeah. Um, but it's really good. It's The descriptions are just beautiful. And uh, I'm partially saying this to convince my good friend Gus to, to pick it up. I'll pick and it let up. Know I, 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 love,
2: I, I love Charlie Jane <laughs>
0: Anders.
1: Uh, what's her short story about... Um aliens it's love might be too strong a word i believe love might be too strong a word yeah if you want some some gendery aliens um (laughs) it gets um uh yeah it's very good it's on the internet i
0: feel like that's sort of like like you know some sort of bio where you're like i like my coffee black and my aliens gendery it's true
1: that one's (laughs) maybe the most um uh uh, the 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 most um, adult-rated of our books. Not that any of them are particularly not. I just called yeah. it a book. It's a story you can read on the internet.
0: Yeah, I also don't know that you drink black coffee, Gus. Kind I of
1: don't. I know. drink it with, like, a ton of sugar and, like, okay. chocolate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so another aspect of genre fiction, because we're supposed to be really efficient here. Oh, yeah. Another genre fiction thing that I personally... I, Grace, um, have been really into reading horror. I never thought I would say that uh, because I am uh, really not into um, gore, which I thought was a big Mm. aspect of horror. It turns Mm. out it's not. Uh, So here's what happened to me. Um, I live in Minnesota. One time there was a giant snowstorm. I was planning on going to this book club with my friend. And we went anyway because we're good, hardy Minnesotans and we don't cancel plans. Um, And we showed up and there were only two other people at this book club. So we accidentally got very committed to being in a book club that reads horror because they were reading one book that we were interested in. But it's been a really good journey for me. I'm really into horror. And I think that it's sort of, um, so the book club that I'm in reads horror by uh, authors of marginalized identity uh, people of color women uh, LGBTq so we've read some different things but um it says a lot about how we um process fear and it allows us to really speak to oppression by talking about fear and anxiety um and you can learn a lot from the way that we talk about things that we're afraid of and I didn't know that which sounds <laughs> not that smart but um, yes. I've really learned it and if you are looking to get involved with horror, I know. Gus, you have a suggestion of a book that you like, and oh. I have a couple to tack on as well.
1: Well, this is on the opposite end of the spectrum as far as <laughs> gore goes. Oh, yeah,
0: it's very gory.
1: <laughs> and I wouldn't say it's a recommendation so much, but I do recommend it at every opportunity.
0: Um, Listen, bodies, bodies? gotta talk about that.
1: Look, here's the thing. Gory horror is excellent for talking about bodies. Yeah. And I love stuff that talks about bodies. Um... The book Viscera by Gabrielle Squalia is, like, the most, like, gorgeous swords and sorcery book that I've ever read. And by gorgeous, I mean, there's a lot of blood, guys, please. Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) That was not
0: intentional.
1: But, I mean,
0: like... I intended it.
1: Be careful, and also, if you want warnings, look, I'll give them to you on Twitter. But, um, it's just, it's a really good book. Super gendery, of course, um... As with most things that I recommend at all times, um, got some magic. Got a city that's like built on the bodies of giant dead gods or something. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, sounds good. God, I'm oh, probably yeah. I don't know if I'll read it. Not. I wouldn't door,
1: recommend but... it if you don't like <laughs> door. No.
0: And I, I I'm grateful for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, I was gonna tack on. Um, so I've. Uh, obviously Shirley Jackson is a classic for a reason, a giant in the genre for a reason. I love Shirley Jackson. I definitely think you should read Shirley Jackson. I love ghosts mm. a lot. Um, and then uh, a discovery for me, uh, that maybe people already know about. I think everyone should know about her is Tanana reeve Uh, she was really uh influential on other authors and also on, um. Their creators uh, and the production team involved with get out and us. Um, but she wrote a great book called my soul to keep with the most awful power pointy cover in the world. <laughs> but don't worry. It's a beautiful book. <laughs> it's very interesting. Um, and it's about a cult of immortals and uh, the power that you get from being immortal. Nice. mortal. Um, and then I also would really recommend looking up horror in translation, because I think it's really interesting to learn about cultures in that lens. Um, is that the Octavia, name of a book
1: or, or just like generally? Just like
0: translation horror. Okay. Cool. Um, I think I could ha- probably come up with some recommendations, but mm-hmm. um, I just like the concept a lot mm-hmm. um, and I've enjoyed reading it. Um, and then Octavia Butler has some good horror. Fledgling mm-hmm. is really, really good. Um, that's my most recent recommendation. But horror, it's scary. And you might be like, but what if I get too scared? D- don't worry. That's not really a good tagline for horror but. <laughs> read it anyway learn stuff um and that that's stuff that gus and i like yeah oh uh,
1: i was gonna put in a short plug for she-ra if you haven't watched yeah. she-ra what are you doing
0: um, it's what adorable are you it's cute yeah Grace what are you doing <laughs> um, I don't watch a lot of TV the main character is a girl with a sword uh, that's true that, that's up my alley Abby has said she will watch it with mm-hmm. me and then I will watch it mm-hmm. um, yeah I was going to recommend a non-book because we sometimes do things that aren't books so there's your non-book Shira um, mine can be um, the album uh, No Dogs Allowed mm-hmm. uh, which is by Sydney Gish and it's yeah. a lot of fun, yeah. And I, I think people should try listening to it. It's not very related to Tamara Pierce, but I like Tamara Pierce, and I like that album.
1: <laughs> yeah, music taste is is a, a difficult one, but um, the entire I'm probably
0: not very related to what books no. you're
1: Well, I don't know. Here's the thing: the entire discography of Janelle Monet is pretty darn sci-fi. Um, so that's pretty related to what books I read.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um. Both Gus and I cry about Brandy Carlisle a lot. What book is that? Hmm what we'll caused us that <laughs> it's called gay mm. um yeah so we'll hand it over to whichever of our friends is next bye
2: hey tortellini it's really hot today so we're all tortellini boiling in a saucepan. pan <laughs> welcome to turtle recall <laughs> are you turtle <laughs> yes turtle.
3: oh dang it welcome to turtle recall i am kelly Hi. She, her pronouns. I'm Aurora. I use she, her pronouns. Hi. Uh, so today we're going to talk about things we like. That's all we're doing. Uh, I like Aurora. I like Kelly. <laughs> Kelly's my good oh friend. My She's pretty great.
2: Aurora's my good friend. She's pretty Kelly
3: great. does science. That's Aurora neat.
2: does linguistics. That is neat. Fake science. That's real science. A.
3: It's different.
2: Hey, it's fake. It's Okay. <laughs> So, Aurora, what's, what's something that you like, Aurora, that's not me?
3: I will start with a thing that I think some people like. Not super contentious, but I want to talk about Star Trek because I love it. Mm, I actually don't know much about Star Trek at all, so please what? tell me more. So when I was working a very boring job two years ago... <laughs> I was able to multitask such that I could like watch Netflix and do my job at the same time. But I did work for seven hours a day, so over the span of four months, I watched twenty-one s- seasons of Star Trek. Was this when we were living together? No, 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 no. Not this was all. I was a research assistant. Okay, okay. Um, that was a boring job, but I was not allowed to watch Star Trek at the same time. <laughs> um, So I watched, uh, for people who know of these things, Next Generation, uh, Deep Space Nine, which is great, and Voyager. But the fun thing about Star Trek is that it's a combination of like weird social commentary, which now at this point is a little dated, but some of it's still very good and just campy good heartedness, even in things like Deep Space Nine, which is very dark and twisty. It's much more political than the other two. The other two are just, like, space utopia. Space Um, utopia. But it's got... It has musical episodes. It's really... The creators, I think, got to the point where they were so famous that they could do whatever they wanted. (laughs) Um, Especially following, like... I haven't watched much of the original series, which I know is terrible. Um, But they just... It's, like, the longest riff. There are so many themed episodes. They just did whatever they wanted. For so many seasons. That sounds amazing. It's delightful. And there are so many good happy friendships. And yeah, it's it's good. You don't have to think about it too much unless you're watching Deep Space 9, which is sad. But no, it's excellent. Would highly recommend Star Trek. Do you have like a
2: favorite a favorite season? Oh. No. Or a recommended
3: starting point for noobs? Noobs should probably start with Next Generation if they don't want to watch the original series because the original series is bad. Okay. I mean, it's bad, but it's good. You know, it's one of those. Mm. It's so campy. It's so campy. But it's good because, like, Spock and Kirk are obviously in love. Mm. That's where Slash came from. Slash. Oh my god. Yeah. So that's pretty great. Um. Yeah. Next Gen. Next Generation is very classic Star Trek. It also has. I think Deep Space Nine is probably the best television. It's just, like, quality content. And Voyager has a really great lady captain. Mm, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, they all have their own merits, but I think Next Generation is the most classic Star Trek. That's not the original series. So, would recommend starting there. Though, 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 I recommended this to one of my other friends... Mm -hmm. But she was very upset because, well, the thing, no, no, no. The thing about Next Gen is it's both a little dated. Mm -hmm. It's very campy, but you have to learn to love it before you go in. Mm. And she was just upset that all of the characters were very into each other all the time. I don't see a problem with that. (laughs) I think it's fine. I think it's like, that's the thing about, that's just a very Next Generation specific thing. But they're all just... Into each other. I guess if you're not and good friends, super
2: into like people being into each other, then watching something where that's like exclusively the dynamic would be not great.
3: Also, they have ridiculous space fashion. Oh, I do like space fashion. That's pretty, good. which is it's pretty good. And it was made in the '90s, and so it's so funny. Um, so yeah, no, it's a funny show. Next gen. also. Oh, I was talking with Abby about this, but one of the best parts about Next Gen is they take a bunch of, like, classically trained actors Mm -hmm. and put them in space. (laughs) So this is, like, Patrick Stewart, who, you know, does, like, Shakespeare stuff Mm -hmm. with Ian McKellen, Mm -hmm. and he's a space captain. Space. And I just love that. Space man. Sometimes they have Shakespeare-themed episodes just because. Oh, my gosh. It's excellent. That sounds excellent. Yeah, so, Star Trek. I like it. Most of the time. Not always. There is some definitely, if you want to listen to some good critical Star Trek commentary about some episodes where they did some things they probably shouldn't have done, uh, Maintain Space has some good Star Trek-related content.
2: hmm
3: Being like, don't represent Indigenous peoples this way, it's bad, don't do it. Bad. Bad, ick. But, anyway, Kelly, what's a thing you like? Oh my goodness. Um, wow,
2: what should I talk about? I guess, um I'll start with cookbooks. I really like cookbooks. I like cookbooks so much. Some people say that cookbooks are like are like out, like nobody's gonna use cookbooks anymore because the internet exists, and every time you need a recipe, you can go to the internet. Mm-hmm. Yet, I am a semi obsessive collector of cookbooks to which really, yes, I suppose when we were living together, I hadn't like amassed a lot yet, but since I've graduated from undergrad, I probably have like 20 cookbooks which isn't so many for one person to have but considering my frequent moving lifestyle it is Mm. a lot and I love them
3: are your cookbooks focused on a particular like kind of food or are they just general recipes
2: they're so it's a whole mix so I have I've tried to like curate all the cookbooks that I had in my childhood home so um, Betty Crocker, Obvi, um, mm-hmm. I think I don't have yet, but I really want like best recipe. And I have like Deborah Madison's Vegetarian Cooking for Everyone and the Vegetarian Epicure and Moosewood Cookbook, which are three really classic vegetarian cookbooks from like the early ages of vegetarian cooking. Which means some of the recipes are really good, and some of them are weird, <laughs> but oh no, <laughs> um, but they're mostly pretty good. But then I've also sort of started collecting. Cookbooks from like restauranters or chefs that I'm like really fond of their restaurants are really fond of like who they are. Like I have um, the, um, the cookbook from the woman who runs Dirt Candy in New York, which is like a plant centric, I think mostly vegetarian restaurant. But it's really expensive, so I've never been. But I have her cookbook, which is really cool because it's written like a comic, um, with the recipes mm-hmm. in it. Awesome, and mm. I have um the Zaha cookbook from Saha, which is a really great restaurant in philadelphia which is super tasty food um and i have a bunch of thomas keller's cookbooks i don't do you know who thomas keller is i do not so he <sighs> who is thomas oh uh, problematic but maybe yeah so he's the head chef at the french laundry which is like one of the like like fanciest restaurants in california so i've never been and i may never go um, mm-hmm. because uh, the menu there costs $300. That's <laughs> wild. But I live vicariously through the French Laundry cookbook and like some of his other cookbooks. I just look at them and flip through them and pretend I'm at the French Laundry and imagine that someday mm-hmm. if I wanted to, I could recreate the experience by making the dishes, which I also probably never will because each of them seems like it would take an entire day. Uh-huh. <laughs> the I mean, it's good to have goals. I feel like cookbooks, I don't know, they're so fun because I feel like they give you a a chance at having, like, the restaurant experience, sort of, even when you can't, like, physically be there or afford to go there. Like, you can sort of live it through, like, flipping through the books and also sort of live the author's experiences a bit. And, like, a lot of them, like, include really interesting writing about, like, their recipes and, like, their process.
3: Oh, it's so fun. Is that why you prefer those to, say, online recipes?
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. I feel like, for me, a lot of, like, the mystique of a cookbook, aside from, like, the ones that I grew up with in particular, which I like because they're, like, tied to the family recipes, but the mystique of the current ones is, like, totally tied to who wrote it and, like, their story or the restaurant that it was based on and its story. Um, And I think, yeah, it's really interesting to see how they, like, curate their stories through cookbooks and through a whole like world of food that you could try.
3: Ooh. So you I think you've almost sold me on cookbooks. I love cookbooks, Aurora.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love them so much. Oh my goodness, and they have beautiful pictures. Oh Ooh. I love cookbooks. And food. And cookbooks are expensive, but pro tip, most used bookstores have like cookbook sections and then you can get the expensive ones for like five or ten dollars often. Oh yeah. No, it's true. I've gotten some good like bread
3: baking books mm-hmm. from used bookstores.
2: Yeah, so I, I just so. lurk the used bookstore cookbook sections until the ones mm-hmm. I want show up.
3: Nice. <laughs> that's how to do it. Oh, that's a good that's a good thing to like.
2: Thank you, thank you. The sad thing is, I don't actually like utilize them well enough because I often just make slightly easier recipes because time. But I like to think that they're always there for me to sort of dive into. Mm.
3: Possibility. Just at my fingertips. So exciting. Mm -hmm. What is something else that you like, Aurora? Oh, I just found a short story that my friend recommended to me that was good.
2: Awesome. It's called
3: uh, Welcome to Your Authentic Indian Experience. It's by Rebecca Roanhorse. Mm -hmm. And she won like a short story, I think it was a Nebula Award for it. Mm -hmm. But. It's like a... I don't know. I don't usually read a lot of short stories, but I was at a cafe with my friend and I'm like, I'm bored. I don't want to write this paper. My friend's (laughs) like, read this story. I was like, okay. Um, And it's about like a Native American tour guide who leads these virtual reality kind of excursions Mm. so that tourists can experience what it's like to be a... This is like an air quotes that you can't see. um, An authentic Indian experience. Whoa. Um. And it's really good. So it's um, it's by an Indigenous author. It has this really interesting social commentary. It Oddly enough, I remembered it because it has these weird parallels to the axolotl story.
2: Oh my god, I was, uh, I was just... When you said short story, I thought about it. So, brief context, uh, do you want to explain what the axolotl story well, is? Well, if I
3: explain the axolotl story, that will... Also, we have a link to the axolotl story in one of our other episodes. Oh, we do. We've already talked about it. I forgot. Yeah, because <laughs> the axolotl story is very important. Also, it's like mild spoilers. Um, but... Yeah, it's good. People should read it. The author is cool, and yeah, shout out to my friend Corinne for recommending it because it's not a genre I would have found myself. It's very like speculative fictiony, um, mm-hmm. kind of Octavia Butler combined with I don't know how else to write speculative fiction. Um, but <laughs> I don't know anybody. <laughs> yeah, but no, interested. that's a thing that I have enjoyed recently. That I think more people should just know about.
2: That's awesome. That sounds really cool. I want to read
3: it. Yeah, read it. Also, she writes, uh, Rebecca Roanhorse writes other books that are also supposed to be good. So, would highly recommend. People should read, like, writings from indigenous writers. Mm -hmm. So, yes. That's all I have for that one. It's just very short. Good rec. Good (laughs) rec. Kelly, what's the thing you like? I'm
2: recognizing that I've talked about a lot of things that I like on this show. Already, like, War with the Nudes and the Axolotl story. Um, I love War with the Nudes! I love War with the Nudes. I It's so weird. I did teach a class where I managed to work War with the Nudes into my curriculum. So, Excellent. I'm just the War with the Nudes evangelist, basically. <laughs> but I will not talk about War with the Nudes right now, because I've already done it on this show. Um, what's something I like? Um, wow, should I talk about how I like K-pop right now?
3: Go for it. Go for it. Go for it.
2: <laughs> I'll keep this short. Um right now as m- within the, mostly the past 2 years, I really like a specific K-pop band which if anybody's a K-pop fan or K-pop fan adjacent out there probably already knows what I'm going to say, I really like BTS. Um yep. <laughs> so, why do you like
3: BTS, Kelly?
2: Why do I like BTS? So BTS is a seven-member boy band from South Korea and I got introduced to them Actually, a couple like more like probably four years ago, right around the time when they started, four or five years ago, by my childhood best friend who really has like K-pop forever, and she was like, "Look, there's mm-hmm. this is really cool band. You should listen." And I kind of listened, but um, she recommends a lot of things to me, and I often don't like go very far with listening to them because I wasn't so into K-pop. I'm sorry. I love you. Um, shout out if <laughs> you're listening. Um, but but um, more recently, one of my friends who you also know from undergrad moved abroad to South Korea and actually maybe six months before she did um she introduced this group to me so I really like and I started listening to them sort of as a way to have something to talk about with her um because we'd sort of not talked too much since undergrad it's been really amazing because now like we really grew like a lot closer like sharing this thing that we were fans of together and like the more I watched them like perform and the more I like they have a huge social media presence. They put out lots of videos of them just, like, being really good friends a lot, um, mm-hmm. which is very sweet. And the more Aww. I the more I did that, like, the more we talked and the more we were friends and now we talk all the time. So I really like them in and of themselves for some reasons. Like, most of their, like, media content is about, like, what good friends they are, which is very sweet. But I also like them because they make me a lot closer to a couple of my good friends who I Mostly talk to you about them. So, thank you, BTS. Dun! Um, And I recommend a few, like, snappy choreography and sparkly pop
3: songs, but mostly for friendship. BTS. Cool. No, friendship's very important. Mm-hmm. And if it can be done by a music, I think that's a good way to do it.
2: hmm
3: Cool. K-pop. Do I have... Oh, I have another music... I have a music one. Not another Sweet. music one. So... This is actually something I was into. I guess I'm still into it. I am going to another country so I can engage with this kind of music. But um, I like very obscure, like, modern polyphonic uh, folk <laughs> singing traditions. Uh, more specifically, of late, I have been very interested, not very interested, very into um, Georgian choral music, mm. which is traditionally, mm-hmm. as you all know, Sung by very, like, stoic-looking men with swords. <laughs> they just stand in a line. We yeah, have this. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they, it's great. It's very loud. Uh, it's highly ornamented, and when these men sing it, they just, like, plant their feet, open their mouths, and it's, like, a wave of loud sound, and they don't... It's Their faces are, like, deadpan. Oh, we get it. But it's... It's one of those styles that's both... Um, it has like a very long oral tradition, and to do it well is so hard. Um, and that's very cool. And now there are a lot of, so for example, now there are some all women's groups that do it, um, and they're also very good. Did I mention it's from Georgia? Yeah, it's from Georgia. You it's so did. cool.
2: That's cool. Yeah,
3: they have mountains. They sing this song in the mountains. That's cool. They've got the coolest little ornaments, and there's so many of them. And oh, an even better part is that one particular um, kind of subgenre within the singing tradition involves yodeling. Whoa. Yeah. So just imagine a large group of men with swords yodeling and <laughs> singing in a very, like, highly ornamented. It's usually a um, three-part tradition. So good. I love. But... It's some excellent stuff. Yeah, that's all. But that I love Georgian choral music. Excellent. Yeah. If you want a group name, gosh, what's a good group to look at. Oh, there's a ladies' group called Tutarcella. They're pretty cool. And then like the classic group that people often look at who are like guys who sing it, they're called Bassiani and they're like the ensemble of the like Georgian government. <laughs> which weird but they're good weird but good that's Mm -hmm. awesome Kelly do you want to do one more
2: I'm trying to think of what a good last one would be I want to do something about nature because I love nature but I feel like nature doesn't lend itself to recommendations aside from I recommend
3: nature in general (laughs) is there a particular bit of nature a place a creature a fun fact I really I guess okay I can do a place um I am so fond of
2: of the california coast and i can tell some anecdotes about it the california coast is amazing and i will say i live in northern california where the coast is maybe not like you would when you when you think california you think beach and you might think like sunny l.a beach maybe star beach sunglasses pools that's like what some people literally think when they come to visit me in california but that is not the reality here so one of the other grad students in my lab came from the East Coast, and he said when he first moved here, he got so excited. He and his friend, also from the East Coast, like, got ready to go to the beach, and they got all their like warm weather stuff, and they drove over to the beach, and then they got there, and it was probably like 60 degrees and foggy and windy, and there were huge cliffs, and there were huge waves, <laughs> and that is the coast, and I love it. And it's just a fantastic, like rugged, windswept, like extreme place. You just look out at the Pacific, and you're like, yes. This is the biggest ocean. It is fantastic and phenomenal. Um, and also, a lot of the year here, it's super-duper dry, so it's really just sort of reassuring to know that there's some place that's always kind of, like, cold and windy and wet close by. <laughs> that's my, I guess, recommendation. Shout-out to the coast. I love you.
3: That's a good rec. Are there good animals there? There are.
2: So I've seen, you can see if you uh, are down in Monterey, you can see blue whales come in to Monterey Ooh. pretty frequently. Um, I think humpbacks migrate. I think it's humpbacks and not gray whales migrate um, in the in the early spring, late winter. Elephant seals, um, harbor seals, sea lions, sea otters, uh, porpoises. Yes. Yeah, all my very Sounds amazing. My very good animal ocean friends, and of course non mammals too. There are lots of cool. You can go like tide pooling. They're cool. Tide pool creatures like nudibranchs, which are awesome tide pool snails. Um, they also live not in tide pools, And sea urchins, which, not great. That's like a whole other story about trophic cascades and sea urchins, um, which I will not tell now, but sea urchins start go like om-om-nom and all the kelp, and then there's no more kelp, and then everybody who lives oh, in the no. kelp forest is like, dang, no more kelp. Sad. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad news bears. But lots <laughs> of cool invertebrates, lots of cool vertebrates, lots of cool birds. Love the coast. Lots of animals there.
3: Excellent. What a good rec. Thank you. Yes, come to the California coast. 10 out of 10. <laughs> Don't go swimming, though. It's too cold. <laughs> no, I feel like we've covered, like, a wide swath of things. <laughs> which is great. I realized I wanted to recommend, um,
2: like, one or two cookbooks in particular. I think... Oh, go so, for it. I just got Salt, Fat, Acid Heat, which I know is, like, super hot right now. But, like, I do recommend it. It's beautifully illustrated. Um... I just started actually reading through it, but it's really fantastic to read so far, and she offers like really awesome like practical cooking tips. So, I think that's really cool. And yeah, self-taught recipe, love it.
3: Oh yay! That's a good rec. I watched the show. She's a delight.
2: Yeah, Be so. exciting. Should we rapid fire like like one or two other things? Do
3: you want to do anything else? Sure. Just like name drop things that you like. Did I have anything else on my list? Ooh, ooh, I have one. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, one thing I would name drop is the TV show, which is uh, now over, but it's one day at a time, and it's just great, mm. super wholesome. It's about awesome. a Cuban-American family in the U.S., and it's funny and, like, warm-hearted, and I love.
2: Anyway, your turn. Um, I'm going to name drop two TV shows, both of which you've also watched, and probably everybody almost has watched. Steven Universe, which Aurora me love- to. 10 out of 10, will enjoy. Beginning, a bit slow, a bit annoying. Get through it. It's fantastic. <laughs> Lots of queer magic people. Um, and number two, Great British Baking Show. obviously love, love it, forever. <laughs> <breakup>. <laughs> Ugh, yes.
3: so good.
2: Do so wholesome. So wholesome, so baking. Such
3: friendship. Much tent. <laughs> Much friends. I just like things that have good friendship content. Indeed. Because my biggest wreck of all... It's friendship. Friends.
2: <laughs> oh God. I think we have to we might have to just end it there.
3: <laughs> yeah. Shout out to my
2: friends. Shout out to my friends. Oh. We've done it. <laughs> Bye folks. See you later, Tortellini. Bye.
4: Okay, we, let's not talk about the turtle. Let's talk about the thing that we're doing.
5: I'm into the turtle, though. I'm sorry. Okay, the thing we're doing.
4: Okay, hi, everyone. This is Abby, Amy, and Shelby doing our segment of this part of the podcast that is a weird podcast that we're doing.
5: <laughs> I'm Abby. My pronouns are she, her. I'm Amy. My pronouns are she, her. I'm Shelby, and my pronouns are she, her.
4: Okay, and we're going to um, talk to you about some things that we like. We didn't incredibly plan this out in advance, but we did do a random number generator to see what order we
6: would go in, and Shelby's going first. Yup. Uh, so I thought about this, and I thought, what do I know that our listeners like? And I thought, I know they like books because they're listening to a book podcast, and I know they like podcasts because they're listening to a book podcast. <laughs> so I thought I'd talk about book podcasts, <laughs> um, which is especially interesting because I feel like there's somewhat of a disconnect between the more fanish book podcast communities mm-hmm. um, of, like, you know, Witch Please and, and ours, and and the much more... NPR podcast style uh, book podcast. So I thought I'd talk a little bit about my other podcasts that I listen to um, about books that may maybe some of you haven't heard about yet. Um, so you're talking about like the more fanish ones, you're saying? No, or the less fanish the ones. The less fanish the ones. The ones that are okay. less, this is a book we love and we're going to talk about it and more. There's a variety. I tried to pick the, the most different ones. I have so many guys. <laughs> I tried to pick the ones that are the most different to give you guys. Some interesting starting points. Um, So the first one is one I have to thank Amy for, um, because she did tell me about it before it had an episode out. (laughs) Um,
4: Amy's like so up
6: on podcasts all the time. So I also get to thank Amy for the fact that I got the first Apple review of this podcast. Except that I have a typo in that review that I cannot edit out, which will drive me nuts for the rest of my life. Anyway, this podcast is She Done It. Um, and it's a podcast about golden age crime fiction. So Agatha Christie or Dorothy Elstair is like that kind of crime fiction. Um, and it's a mix of everything you could do about it. So like a lot of it is like, what's the historical context? So the first episode is all about, um, the quote unquote problem of surplus women in England after mm-hmm. World War II and how that shaped the genre and shaped, um, you know the the writers a lot because you know Agatha Christie was one of those surplus women. Um, at least Do you want mostly. to explain the
4: term surplus women? Uh, so
6: surplus women is the idea that like a whole lot of English men of meritable age died in World War Two, and they're. Afterwards, um, there were a lot of women who didn't necessarily have husbands, um, and maybe couldn't find husbands, and this was a big concern that mm-hmm. everybody was worried about because it was going to cause the downfall of English society. It didn't, but it did cause some good crime fiction, so that was nice. Agatha <laughs> um, Christie, but yeah, so it has stuff like that. It has stuff about queer people in um, Golden Age crime fiction, and it also has kind of uh, some more almost true crimeish stuff, less from from the real true crime perspective, and more from the How did certain actual murder cases affect the books? Um, But it's all really interesting. And it's all really well produced and really well researched and has some great jazz music. So that's also fun. (laughs) Also probably a good way to find new books. Yeah, no, I mean, I grew up reading Agatha Christie, but that's Mm -hmm. mostly all I read from that. And I've definitely gotten a few really good recs.
4: Yeah, I'm extremely like, I read so much Agatha Christie and like Sherlock Holmes. And those are like the (laughs) two mystery authors. I mean... Arthur Conan Doyle is the author, but like those are the two mystery authors that I read Yeah,
6: yeah pretty much. Um, so that's the first one on the very far end of the second one, So this one technically kind of is Spanish, but I feel like it's still in a diff- little bit of a different mold. Um, so this one's Be the Serpent. Um, this mm-hmm. was recommended to me by my other pod or my other book club, only one podcast other book club <laughs> um. And they did kind of tell me to listen to this podcast. And I said, I have too many podcasts. I can't possibly listen to another one. And that's not the kind of podcast (laughs) I listen to anyway. And then I listened to it. I had to eat my words within a week. Um, But so it is um, three, as they call themselves, three redheaded fantasy authors um, who all talk um, about a trope every episode. So it's some kind of, it can be anything. So they've done one on heists. Um, they've done one on, um, fealty relationships. So my favorite, my favorite three starting points, if anyone wants to know, are Heist Heist Baby, uh, about heists, which is, uh, I actually wrote this down, episode 18. Um, nice. or Cross Your, Cross Your Stars and Hope to Buy, which is episode six and is just about buy characters in fiction. Um, and episode five, Oh Captain, My Captain, that's about fealty relationships, um, it's delightful. Um, and each of these episodes, they take three pieces of fiction. Um, two of them are generally published, either books or um, movies, TV show episodes, something like that. Um, and the third one is always a fanfic. Um, and then they just talk about that trope and why they love that trope and how it shows up and how people play with it. Um, and it's just the height of my kind of fandom. So I love it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oh. Yeah, I have not actually listened to that one but it's been on my list for a very long time. So amazing. Also, at the beginning of every episode, they sort themselves, so like started from I think an episode that was actually specifically about like houses and sorting systems. Mm-hmm. Um But now at the beginning of every episode. So for like the heist one, they sorted themselves into like hacker, grifter, Uh, like mastermind. Can we just do that on like
4: unrelated Total
6: Recall episodes?
4: (laughs) Like specifically the heist one. Can we specifically sort ourselves as leverage types?
5: If anything, like I think that it would be more fun to sort each other and just see what our friends think of us. And then (laughs) I can get really mad if anyone tries to make me be the hacker.
4: I would say probably hater for you, honestly,
3: maybe director.
5: <gasps> oh my gosh! <laughs> Thank you so much.
3: <laughs> okay,
6: but moving on. Yeah. Um. So to be clear about the the first one about she done it, I think it's good to start at the beginning, but you can start anywhere. For be the serpent, really start with whatever one catches your fancy, because mm-hmm. they're all different tropes and they're all different temples. So like, it's Best, if you know the tent in advance, you'll get the most out of that episode, but you can listen to it. Like, they don't spoil, they spoil, like, minor things, but not major things. Um, mm-hmm. So, it's, it's, just pick whatever, whatever tickles your fancy. Um, and I, I skip around, I haven't listened to all of them. And the last one I was going to talk about uh, is also completely different again, and it's called Get Booked. This is a Book Riot podcast, so Book Riot probably produces the most bookish podcasts of any like single publisher <laughs> entity. They sure have a lot of. Them. They have a lot. Um, and I, I, had some things about Book Riot are hit or miss for me, but this particular podcast I really love. Um, and it is a book recommendation podcast. Um, so you send in like a specific request, um, which can be everything from like you know I'm going to, um. South Africa for a vacation and I want a book to help me understand it better or it can be like my book club only likes to read like x y and z things but also nothing since after 2009 and also (laughs) it should never be by a white male author and oh by the way it has to be available in French Uh, (laughs) you get really weird specific requests um but they always come up with something these are like the two I think like most widely read people I have ever encountered like they they just read you know they'll recommend in the same episode like a space opera and a very fluffy like um romantic comedy uh romance novel and then also like a very serious work of literature (laughs) and I'm just like I do not know how you read all of these things. But there's something just, like, insanely satisfying about hearing everybody's request, like, solved. Like, as someone who has worked in a bookstore, it's just... They just always have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's
4: amazing. Did they, like... Did they... Are the answers always things that they've, like, read, or do they
6: do research? Uh, it varies a bit. So they definitely, like, read things for the podcast sometimes. Sometimes, um... sometimes it's just things I've read sometimes um, if they really just don't read much in that area they'll ask other people at Book Riot um, and get somebody else's recommendation Um, and then yeah sometimes they'll be like I've researched it and this is the only book about smithing in Scotland that exists Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so I am putting it to you even though my library hold hasn't come in and I haven't read it Uh Uh, (laughs) good so that is, like, one of... That's possibly my single most relaxing book podcast. Like, I don't even want to read, like, probably 80% of the books they talk about, but it's just very satisfying. <laughs> um, and I do get a ton of actual recommendations from it. Like, it, it has caused many problems for my <laughs> TBR pile.
4: <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's a good service. I mean, I always have way too many books to read, but
6: you know sometimes but, yeah. you want a really
4: specific thing
6: uh, there've been a couple things where i've like been like should i send this question in but like i have so many books that people have <laughs> already recommended to me often for those very specific questions that yeah. i still haven't gotten to so
5: yeah but i think like even just to read or listen to and not really get anything out of it personally it's probably still fulfilling because it has the structure of an advice column where you get all of the catharsis (laughs) without living through the question and that is my jam (laughs) so
6: yep it's great yeah nice yeah
4: okay so um amy is next in our order of people to say the things that they like
5: Right. Okay. So I had some difficulty picking out like a single thing to talk about because I find it difficult to choose things without making the other things feel bad. There was a hot minute where I was just going to talk about Pokemon Go because that's just one thing, but unfortunately I have tried, I made a decision to stop trying to be a parody of myself at all times. (laughs) Um, So all I have to say is Pokemon Go is a good game, but you know what else is a good game? Reading short story and essay collections.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess that's a game. Um,
5: anything can be a game if there's a lose condition. Um, anyway, He's there. So hang on, back up. Uh. <laughs> Don't worry He's about the lose it.
6: Anyway, condition just not liking the book. I mean, that yeah. I feel like you still.
4: I mean, you can stop. I guess stop like not liking it and not finishing it is kind of losing, but you're, you haven't really lost Actually, anything. I feel like the
6: actual loss is not liking it and finishing. Mm.
4: I mean, I guess then you've lost time. <laughs> but you still completed the book, so I don't feel like you lost. Yeah, I feel like this is a win-win situation. Yeah. Well. Anyway, Amy, what <laughs> short stories do you like?
5: <laughs> okay, well, lately there are four specific books that I've been reading, um, and they are... I mean, I guess the thing that I like about short story and essay collection specifically is that you get one author's perspective on something kind of over and over again, and you find themes throughout them that bridge the stories together, And but you can still like start and finish them and then keep going if you decide to. I just really enjoy that piece of it and the sort of ability to stay in one person's World in a way for quite a while without without necessarily having to be in a long drawn out uh, story, especially because I like to be able to read things all the way through when I read them. Um, so, the things I've been reading lately have been um, the first one I'm going to talk about is Her Body and Other Parties by Carmen Maria Machado. And that is a collection of horror and horrorish short stories, but more towards the psychological and like sort of um, like magical seems like the wrong word, but like psychological and not. Um, like sort of slipstreamy end of the spectrum. So, um, for example, there's a story in it that's based off of like the green ribbon story about the woman who has a green ribbon around her neck that she can never take off because, spoiler alert, her head will fall off. But it's also <laughs> about like misogyny and the way that misogyny is passed is passed through our culture and like the like trying to keep something to yourself and like a lot of the stories are about feminism, but a lot of the stories are also just about like feeling disconnected from your own from your own like body and everything. Like her body and other parties is about dying and then being watched by your own body underground for a very long time. I like to be upset <laughs> um, <laughs> is probably something I should have brought up at the start of this. These aren't like necessarily fun and light ones, even though like there's humor in a lot of them. And because they're short stories and they all are distinct to themselves, you can get lighter and darker within them. Um, but I really like that one for kind of working with things that we already know in our culture, like, uh, older, short, older horror stories that we would tell amongst ourselves and then bringing them to the modern age and making them relevant in a different way. Um, yeah, so then another one I have which definitely goes towards the lighter end of the spectrum would be um, Vampires in the Lemon Grove. Again, not light, but <laughs> not horror that's deeply upsetting at all times. Like, for example, one of the stories in this one is about people who make silk and then gradually turn into silkworms. A lot of these stories are kind of about personal transformation. Wait, is
4: that a funny one or a horror one? Both. Or both.
5: <laughs> okay. I you know, I'm really realizing now. I love being upset.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, same. <laughs> yeah.
5: Don't we all? But like the, the title story of Vampires in the Lemon Grove is about two Sicilian vampires that have a lemon grove and negotiate their relationship as two immortal beings who have to, like, continue living with each other for potentially eternity. And I just think it's really (laughs) beautiful and, like, kind of, and, like, sort of horrifying in that way, but in a, like, kind of beautiful way. Um, And again, there's, like, humor in these ones.
4: I like, like... I don't know. I'm sorry to interrupt your flow here. I know you have more to say. It's interesting that you're, like, specifically interested in short story collections because I am not very good at reading those, honestly, but I do really like reading individual short stories. And I think, like, one reason that I like that is because you can really... Like, a short story is just long enough to, like, put forth a premise and then just, like, fully explore that premise and, like, not really have a plot beyond that, but just, like... Like, really, you know, give justice to a single world-building concept. And that kind of sounds like a good example of that.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
5: no, I, yes, I agree. Like, I also enjoy reading essay short stories, etc. individually. But I'm kind of, I'm a person who likes to binge things media-wise. And I'm also, (laughs) like, when I start getting into a mood for a specific thing, I want to consume all of it for as long as I can. (laughs) So I guess this is also uh, good for my problem with moderation.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I do want to put a plug out for just like individual short stories that are freely available online because there's a ton of them. And if you haven't, if there's like a a popular sci-fi, especially sci-fi, also fantasy author, that you haven't read any of their work. There's a very good chance that they will have short stories available for free online if you Google for them, and that's a really easy way to like read broadly in sci-fi and fantasy, so just putting that out there.
5: That's actually how I found all of these books, <laughs> is by <laughs> looking up authors and seeing what else they had written. So, I mean, tech- the next two I actually both found from the same website, which I don't know how many of our listeners would be familiar with The Toast, but it was a... <laughs> feminist. like <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> I know. I can't not talk about the toast. It was very formative for me, mm-hmm. especially because it was a
4: good website. Yeah,
5: it was a good website. And it was also running when I was in when we were all in college. So it I don't know about you, but it was really a big part of me learning how to be a person. Um, had a lot mm-hmm. of feminism, had a lot of like short stories, had a lot of personal essays, had a lot of kind of absurd humor and like jokes about art history and like two and like the two monks series which I suggest you just look up it's just you know those medieval pictures of monks just really making fun of those medieval pictures of monks (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but on that website, one of its co-founders was Daniel Mallory Ortberg, and I really loved his writing. And I had I've basically just been following him since the first time I saw anything he had written on the Hairpin, um, which is the website that was before the Toast. Um, uh, but. Yeah, so he, a couple of years back, he released a short story collection called The Merry Spinster, which was collected a lot of works from the toast, include from a series he was writing that was Fairy Tales Made Horrifying. Um, and
4: <laughs> yeah, this one also has a fair amount of body horror in it.
5: Yeah, it does. Again, <laughs> I really thought this would be more pleasant before I brought it to the table. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, but uh, if you all, he also has texts from Jane Eyre. If you like to laugh and have fun, <laughs> 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 which I also love, texts from Jane Eyre, but it's written in text message form. Whereas the Mary Spinster, the one one of the final stories in it, made me cry at a sa- Stan's Donuts. So. Uh, Yeah, but like, I like Shelby, I love like a meta story. And all of the stories in this collection are based off of folk tales or like Winnie the Pooh or like, or frog and there's one of frog and toad that is about basically like Abusive relationships, and again, again, I realize this doesn't sound good. I understand that it's extremely good, and it was deeply affecting for me. And sometimes you just have to put yourself into that kind of mood. I find it so cathartic to just kind of read through a lot of things that kind of kind of fascinate me in a way that I don't understand and upset me in a way that I don't totally understand.
4: I do also think that a short story is a great medium for that because Mm -hmm. you can, you can get in, do the horror and then get out before (laughs) it becomes like overwhelming the way it might be in a book, in a novel.
5: Yeah. And that's especially true for like, again, I like to keep reading after I start reading and it's nice to be able to finish something instead of feeling compelled to continue, even though I am horrified or upset or unsettled, um, like being unsettled in short bursts I think is healthy (laughs) and for me personally I think just like makes me consider things that I wouldn't have without that outside input um so yeah those those are the three fiction uh collections I want to talk about and then there's also an essay collection I started very recently um it's called The Collected Schizophrenias by Esme Weijun Wang and I found her through the toast as well. She published an essay on there about Catard's delusion, which is uh, she was experiencing at the time where you believe that either you or the people around you are dead. Um, it's really beautiful. I suggest that you look it up. Um, but the Collected Schizophrenia is, is a collection of essays that's just about her experience in her life with her schizoaffective disorder. And... Like it has so much empathy in it for both the people, like for both the people in her community and people outside of it. And it talks about schizophrenia in a way that I haven't really been able to see anywhere else because we don't really give people with the stigmatized mental illnesses a platform to speak, especially if they are not, um, especially if they are not. If they don't have the right kind of support systems, if they aren't able to go day to day as if they are neurotypical, we do not give them a platform um, as seeming neurotypical, not as if they are neurotypical. Um, And yeah, so it's just, I don't know. It was a really wonderful perspective. She's an excellent writer and it was just a lot of things in it that made me think about the way that I interact with other people and the way that I interact with the world around me like a running there is a through line in there of just reality and how we interact with it and how she herself interacts with it and I just really found it all very affecting um so I think that's all I really have to talk about um there are you know, if there's an author that you've been thinking about getting into, like Abby said, you can just look up their name and go to their website and they will have a list of where they've been published. Um, you can also like try to find websites that publish essays and short stories. Like I've been on electric literature a lot lately, and that that has a lot of good stuff on it. If you're just looking for short stories to find a foot in the door.
4: Mm hmm. Also, specifically for sci-fi and fantasy, there's, like, Tor.com, Strange Horizons. There's a lot of... I mean, it used to be a bigger thing, but it's still pretty big in sci-fi, fantasy, genre fiction to publish short stories in magazines, and a lot of those are now online, so mm-hmm. check them out.
5: Yeah, and if you want, like, humor, you can go to McSweeney's as well. That's funny ones.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. <laughs>
5: <laughs> ones that aren't upsetting. Yeah, or like go to the archives of the toast. There's also if you like Daniel Mallory Ortberg, but you don't want to be upset. He also has a series of fairy tales made comforting and anodyne, and that's nice.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, this is not this is not my thing. I just want to say it. Um. I really like Ursula K. Le Guin. She has a lot of good short stories. Also, uh, Gus and Grace talked about Ursula K. Le Guin on their <laughs> segment of this podcast, which I've already heard because I'm editing this one. Um, and they said that in Left Hand of Darkness, there's not, like, textual romance, and I want to disagree with that. I think that's wrong. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. That's not relevant to anything. <laughs>
6: yeah, I'm with Abby. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and they said great things, and we don't need to get into it. Mm-hmm. Love her a lot, though. <laughs> okay, so my actual thing is, I'm the comics friend. I thought I should recommend some comics. Abby is the comics friend.
5: <laughs> She's extremely the comics friend.
4: <laughs> yeah, so, um, I mean, I read a lot of different types of comics. I When I was making a list of ones that I wanted to talk about here, they ended up mostly being, like, YA or, like, youth-oriented, and I think that's partially just because those are ones that are easier... I mean, they're certainly easier to get into if you read YA, but I also think that they're just, in some ways, more accessible to people who aren't, like, really deeply into comics because comics are kind of bad (laughs) in a lot of ways. (laughs) And also they're just, like, inaccessible in a lot of ways, but I think that... Comics for younger readers tend to be written in a more accessible way, and also are a lot of, like, women and non-binary creators write comics for younger readers, so here's some of those that I like. (laughs) Um, okay, this is uh, one that I made both of you guys read, so that's fun. (laughs) Runaways is a comic Uh from my childhood that recently came back, but the characters are older now, and it's great, and it's written by Rainbow Rowell now, and I- Highly recommend both Volume 1 by Brian K. Vaughan and Volume 2 by Rainbow Rowell because it's just about some kids who have superpowers, but they're not really a superhero team. They're just a family, <laughs> and that's great. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I have to say about that, basically. It's great. Do you guys have any words, having been made to read those by me?
6: <laughs> there's a dinosaur?
5: There is a dinosaur. That's important to know. <laughs> there's a very young girl who is so strong.
6: there's a lot of both real and figurative rainbows that's nice
5: can i say my favorite thing about it which is there's an issue where they all pick out nicknames for themselves and then no one ever uses their nicknames
6: (laughs) (laughs) except technically the dinosaur
5: except the dinosaur
6: (laughs) (laughs) yeah
4: yeah, it's a fun comic. It's a good... I mean, it's a little angsty because, like, their parents are super supervillains, um, but it's. I think it's a good intro to the Marvel Universe, which is nice. It's just... there's good friendship, good family, good fun teen interactions. It's a good time. And I guess as long as we're talking about accessible Marvel things, I also wanted to throw in here Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. That's not a comic. It's a movie. <laughs> It's a movie that I thought all of my friends had seen, and that was wrong, so I'm putting it out there. If you haven't seen Into the Spider-Verse, it's on Netflix now. Watch it. I don't care if you like superheroes or not. It's really good. It's
3: really, really
4: good. It stars Miles Morales, who is um, the uh, the Spider-Man who replaced Peter Parker in an alternate universe. Very complicated. Don't worry about it. He's black and Latino and also, like, the light of my life. Um, <laughs> Also just like the animation of that movie is amazing it's, so it's the beautiful. best like CGI animation that I've ever seen
6: It's so pretty I have to say like I'm like not a very like I don't care about visuals very much which mm-hmm. has been part of the problem in Abby trying to get me into comics um but it's so pretty it's just so pretty
5: it's so pretty and it also just like there's so much in it and there's so many like motifs and colors and just. You know, I've, sometimes there's some real heavy-handed symbolism that I love.
4: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's great. Um, yeah, great soundtrack. Um, okay. Stop me if you've heard this one. Okay, I'm sorry. no, I'm sorry for doing this. I gotta do it, though. Um, hey, have you guys heard of this cool comic? It's called Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With <laughs> Me. <laughs> Legitimately, okay. i I'm making a joke out of this because I have a friend who did the art for this comic, but also, like, I chose to wreck it because it's a really, really good comic that I'm really into right now. It's a graphic novel. It's self-contained. It's a queer love story kind. It's a story about a queer relationship and, like, coming of age, and it's really, really good and really beautifully done and I highly recommend it.
6: And just to back Abby up on this, like, not only is it amazing, like, per my own opinion, and I do not know her friend, um, <laughs> but also, like, if you just read down the blurbs on the back of this book, it's, like, literally everyone you would want to have a good opinion of your, <laughs> like, young adult graphic novel. Like, it's, like, uh, and Yang, and then mm-hmm. it has it uh, has blurbed it, and Rainbow Rowell blurbed it, yeah. and, like, just, like, everybody cool. So, like, Abby's not making this one up because she <laughs> likes her friends. Thank a you for the validation. In a
5: bookstore told me to read it, and she worked at the <laughs> bookstore, so. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's really, like, I mean, the art of it is so beautiful, but also, like, it you know, it, it shows a very complicated queer relationship and, like, has a bunch of different queer characters and, like, different, you know, stages of life and that type of thing. And if that's something that you're missing from Tamra Pierce, <laughs> then maybe check this one out. Okay, and I have one more, and it is uh, The Witch Boy by Molly Ostertag, which is, um, that one's more, like, middle grade and less YA, I guess. But it's just an incredibly cute comic about a boy... It's a, a boy from a family in which the, the girls are witches and the boys are shapeshifters and he doesn't want to learn to shapeshift. He wants to learn magic. Um, and it's so, I mean, in some ways it's like a reverse Alana situation, although he doesn't like go undercover cause he's in his family. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's just a really sweet story. It's super, super well done. I love the art of that one as well. Just very beautiful. Um, but it's also, you know, a lot about, like, sort of unpacking toxic masculinity, and that's fantastic. Very into it. The the boy is such a sweet boy. His name is Aster. I love him a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that's my list of cute, accessible comics for, for non-comics readers, I guess. I... I mean, I could really keep going on <laughs> comics, honestly. <laughs> I'm just, I'm struggling to contain it. <laughs> um, Paranatural just saying, gonna stop now.
5: <laughs> oh my gosh, Paranatural. I second Paranatural. Yeah, like, you, the thing that you are doing with comics is why I did not try to do fiction podcasts.
4: <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. We have a, had a real, like, I'm, I'm surprised we limited it to the amount of podcasts that they're That are on this episode right now, but like we could really go off about podcasts. Also, I should say, I guess, that at some point an episode is going to go up on our Patreon that is just me and Gus talking about a specific podcast. And the reason that me and Gus couldn't be on the same, in the same like group in this episode is because we would just talk about that one podcast. So if you want to find out more about that, check out our Patreon.
6: (laughs) I'm already patreon.com slash Tortorecom. So... <laughs> what?
5: I've lived that episode so many days <laughs> in my life.
4: <laughs> hey, you... you said you wanted it. We did it because you said you wanted
5: it. No, you're misunderstanding me. I enjoy living this podcast. <laughs> or the, living this episode.
4: Uh-huh. Well, good. Okay, I think that about wraps it up unless anyone has anything else to say. Um, I think we might Need to sign off here I'm not sure We should probably do the sign off Just in case no one else has done it Yeah. Um, thanks for listening to this weird episode Which to be clear Was a thing that someone on <laughs> Patreon requested And then we decided to do it Because it seemed easy and fun uh, But it's not Yeah. Thank you for bearing <laughs> with us <laughs> uh, You can find our show At Tordal Recall On all the websites <laughs> Twitter Tumblr email gmail not
5: instagram. not instagram not instagram but we do have those <laughs> hot tips <laughs> <laughs>
4: okay let's be done now amy do you want to say the sign off
5: only because neither of you ever will
4: <laughs> um, hey we've said it just not when you're on the episode
1: yeah i know see ya tortellini <laughs>
5: I'm gonna say see a tortellini better. See a tortellini! Okay, that's not different. I don't care. Goodbye.